0: Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hedgesad and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Is someone really your good friend if you're contractually obligated to describe them that way? We don't have any contracts except for winks and taps of the nose and tugs at the ear. Midnight campfire handshakes. (laughs) Understood. (laughs) Um, As I said before, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists. You can find my work at AutoGuide as well as its YouTube channel. But Ben, he is – he's a rogue. You can find his work almost everywhere on the internet. Ben, what was one of the latest bylines that we can see your work at?
1: You can find some stuff I just wrote about the Autostad, which we talked about on the last podcast, and that'll be at Automobile Magazine. And you can find me in the Mazda issue of Super Street right now.
0: Very cool. I love Super Street, and uh, I can't wait for people to go back in the time machine and read about your uh, encounter with the Autostad. Uh, This week, we've got some pretty cool cars, some familiar faces, and uh, a brand new Mercedes. So I'm going to kick it off with this brand new 2020 Mercedes-Benz GLS class. I just want to clarify, Sammy, this is brand new, not first ever, right? (laughs) No, this is not first ever. Okay, okay. The GLS is billed as the, let me get this right in quotations, the S-Class of SUVs, which I think previously was a title that was held by the Cadillac Escalade.
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> yes, I think that's accurate. So what you're saying though is so uh, I'm going to I'm going to say that the S-Class is a is the standard for the full-size luxury segment. No mm-hmm. question if you're a sedan. But Sammy, making that claim as an SUV in a world where vehicles like the Range Rover uh exist in a world the where The
0: Range Rover. The- I love that nobody knows what to call the full-size Range Rover <laughs> other than the Range Rover. That's what it is. A Land Rover <laughs> Range Rover. Uh, we know the Range Rover Sport, the Range Rover Evoque, the Range Rover Velar, and the Range Rover. Also, I love that. It's so imposing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's also there's also the Bentayga now. There's the mm-hmm. the uh, whatever the other thing is, the Cull- Cullinan? Cullinan? Yes. Cull- Cullinan. I can't say it. Yes. So it, it. So we've got those out there. Mm-hmm. The GLS, does it – I mean, is there any truth to this claim?
0: You have to – okay, the Bentayga and the Cullinan – there, I think there is a segment above where the GLS um, ends right now. I mean, right now we have two different versions of the GLS that's the GLS 580 and the GLS 450. And I think along in a short while there'll be an AMG version of the car because there always has been. Um, and that might be closer to the experience. And there might actually be one of those uh, odd Maybach. Um, Style versions of these cars that might also really compete with the high-end ultra-luxury versions of the car.
1: I'm seeing but, a lot. I'm seeing a lot of those Maybachs out there. Have you noticed them on the road?
0: I actually, I just saw one of the newer Maybachs uh, just yesterday, and I was really, uh, I was, I was surprised. I don't know if I was uh, impressed, but I was very surprised that somebody would um, go to that length and get one of those cars. Yeah. Okay, let's we'll talk about this GLS. Basically, you have to imagine um, the GLE that I drove. Um, I think earlier this year which is a, a, another all-new vehicle, very high-tech car that um, was focused on luxury rather than sportiness. And it also had this really cool e-active body control suspension system that could, like, jump the car out of sand. Yeah, I remember that. Remember that?
1: Everyone needs that. You know, I've often been driving to the mall and I've in an SUV and pondered the fact that, why don't I have a James Bond-esque type feature that will allow me to leapfrog over this median?
0: I mean it's not like a jump it actually what it does is it um anyways the g l s has this feature. I better get that right first before we before we start talking about people about things and people are like, why are they talking about the g l e it doesn't matter um this car has this e active body control and what it does is it compresses the, the 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 air suspension and then lifts it up in a very quick um fashion. It looks like the car is kind of like uh hopping in a way so when it does this, it's meant to help it find some traction when the car is is lacking it, particularly in the snow or in the sand. And the reason this was actually developed was because they indeed got stuck um, one, t- one day while testing their, their vehicles. And when they looked online on how to get their car unstuck, they saw a bunch of people kind of like pressing on the back of a car to get it, give it some traction. And this is a, this is something that I've seen done here in the snow. I think right. when, when somebody is stuck in the snow, they usually kind of like push on the back of a car until it gets
1: i, I, I want to back up just for a second this is a team of engineers who design cars right who were, who, were mm-hmm. who got stuck and they had to look on the internet to see how other people get unstuck from things
0: i'm not sure i mean that's what they described it as they saw that other people did this and they were like we can probably make a feature that allows for that um, in sure addition anyone out there in the audience who has ever driven a car ever in the December, snow or in the sand. Or in the
1: snow or in the sand. I know there's off-roaders out there. I know there's Canadians and people from the Northeast and Central America – not Central America, but Central United States and uh, North, the Northwest who have gotten stuck in the snow. And you probably know or at least have seen people do this thing that Sammy's describing. Does it not weird if – if, if you have done this and you knew how to do this, let us know because I think it's weird that someone would have to go online. I agree. If they're in the auto industry <laughs> yeah. to get unstuck.
0: Well, I mean, now there's a way to do it without having somebody else. Um, and, and not only that, for a car that is this big, I don't think even – if you got a GLS stuck um, before it had active body control and you tried to get it free by, by like, pressing on the back of it, I don't think you'd be very successful unless you had eight people with you. Um, and you can't even get eight people in a GLS, so hey. whoa. Shots There's, fired. <laughs> uh, You can get six or seven seat configurations. There's captain's chairs in the second row. Um, and in addition to that, you can also get like um, <clears throat> an executive rear seat package, which is a lot like uh, when you get into, say, an S-Class or a 7 Series and you have that executive seat package. It's got like this Android tablet between the seats and you can control how your, your seat comfort uh, – you can control your seat comfort. You can add massage features is that change. The,
1: is that in the second row? Yes. In my mind, if I wanted an executive, this is my executive seat package. It would be the third row. And, and nothing in the second. Nothing in the second row, but a screen that descends and lets me yeah. play, like, video games or watch an awesome movie while I'm driving. And I don't have to I don't have to look at another human being is what I'm saying. I
0: think what – I think Mercedes has the car for you. It's called the Sprinter uh, or a Metris, and you can just have your party truck all the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's an. I want to admit that driving this car, we drove it in Utah, which is a gorgeous place. Uh, we were in Salt Lake City and Park City, um, and it is a beautiful place to drive. And the folks who are living there, I don't know how you've kept the secret um, hidden from us for so long, but it is a beautiful, beautiful backdrop to everywhere you go, having these mountains um, everywhere. I also will admit that this car was – I don't want to use the word boring, but there, the drive was really – the driving aspect of this car was really um it didn't leave a a very you know it didn't leave an impression almost at all the car gets out of the way it lets you just get through your driving portion of the day in comfort and luxury and that's about it and i think that's still a fairly that's a that's a positive for mercedes i don't know if they want to really compete with the say let's say the x7 a car that we me and you have both said um really impresses in terms of how it feels as a three-row SUV. It actually is quite responsive, it's very fast, um, and it's interesting to drive. Well, the, the GLS... Other, the other thing is, too, I mean, we're talking about a very large vehicle, right? This is a yes. large, heavy vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the GLS does not have that same uh, aspect of, of being interesting to drive. It smooths out the road, it's full of technology, um, it, has, it just is loaded with all kinds of features that I, as many times as I think I've gotten through them there's always one more feature, there's one more thing that I need to discuss. So I'm trying to get through the most interesting ones that I can. Okay. So I mentioned the e-active Body Control. Uh, it has a ton of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Off-road uh, capabilities, off-road features, including a. I need to find it here. They described it very importantly. Um, a torque uh, torque on demand and torque uh, and low range gear, which they think is is New to the f- new or important in the class, and you mentioned the Range Rover. I'm not sure the Range Rover has a low range, does it? Yeah,
1: it does. It's definitely very off road capable.
0: Or ranged, or range reduction, uh, gear reduction. Sorry, is what I was saying as well. Yeah, it has. So, it has low range four wheel drive, and we got to use some of this uh, in an off road course that's designed for like ATVs and motocross, and it was surprisingly very well capable. A big SUV like this could manage to to make um, its way through a very tough off-road, um, trail.
1: Now, what about the, uh, what about things like, you know, you have a long wheelbase, you have, I'm assuming fairly large overhangs on the vehicle. Was the off-road course, do you think tailored to deal with the Mercedes? Uh, or was it something that felt like, yeah, this is a legitimate, I I could find this anywhere kind of course?
0: It was definitely not tailored for the Mercedes, and okay. there were so many there were so many parts of the trail where um, I feel really sorry for our um, our driving coach who was who was with us, kind of giving us the the lowdown on what kind of features this off road this vehicle has off road wise. Um, who like at several times was like, "You need to turn the car a little bit more left or right, center this this ditch in bet- in the middle of the car. So move left or move right." Um, and me and my partner were just cracking jokes the whole time because we felt like we were invincible, but she was probably not feeling the same way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm impressed with the vehicle's off-road capability mainly because it had, it just has so much, um, ground clearance. It was, it could lift, um, so much. Um, and there was no, again, there was nowhere that I was expecting the car I mean, there were places where I was expecting the car to scrape or and you, have to, you also have to take into consideration the car that we had was riding, I think, on 22 or 23 inch wheels. Oh, wow. And these are not all terrain tires or anything like this. And I was like, these these rocks can really cause some damage to the to the sidewall of the of the car. And um, surprisingly, we made it um, unscathed. The tires were the tires survived. And uh, even the wheels were in good shape, too. They weren't scraped or anything like that. And that's something I wasn't expecting as well. Let's talk about the interior of this car, though. Mercedes, I, I find Mercedes to have one of the most impressive interiors in the luxury car segment. Some people might be calling them a little bit uh, tired now. They're looking more or less the same. But I think the new generation is looking is combining the, the really interesting, um, I think it was a very modern art deco style when the C-Class and S-Class first debuted with it. Um, and now we've got... Some extra technology going on, uh, on in there with these ginormous screens that are now placed in the dashboard rather than on top of the dashboard. And the cars feel and look really special in terms of what kind of uh, interior they've got. The, the, the seats, man, these are really impressive seats. They're super comfy. They look gorgeous. The leather of these cars. Like if, if you're truly going to bill a car as the S-Class um, of, S- of SUVs, it has to have the, the most interesting interior accompaniments that you can think of the best in interior accents. And I think Mercedes has definitely nailed that. There's no way you're getting a better interior than in the, in the X seven, for example, or even the um, range Rover, the full range Rover. I, I, I mean that I really do. And you and I have both kind of joked about what BMW has put in, in, the x7 then that's the uh you called it the forever 21 dial uh, <laughs> the, and
1: it's the swarovski i believe it's the swarovski influence um, and
0: yes there is nothing that feels really um obnoxious inside the the gls it feels really good really high-end really classy um it feels like you could be in the middle of a library um and nothing's, just, and
1: nothing's classier than a library i mean let's be honest.
0: that's where that's where you go and get your class on
1: that's where all the classy stuff happens
0: I mean, that in a, a school.
1: Yeah, a school or maybe a, a recital hall.
0: Yes. Wait, no, that's childish. Not classy.
1: Why is that, why is that childish?
0: What is classy? What All is classy right. to you, Ben? Well, apparently it's a library. <laughs> <laughs> with a chandelier, maybe. Yeah. And a bar. So, um, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about these engines. Um, the 450 comes with a straight six with um three liters of displacement it's a turbocharged straight six um and it makes sorry i'm 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 having all sorts of brain farts throughout the throughout this episode because that's just how professional i am 362 horsepower and 369 uh, pound-feet of torque it's really not that bad it features that 48 volt uh, mild hybrid system um they call it EQ Boost, and that provides an extra 21 horsepower and up to 184 extra pound-feet of torque. It feels solid. I really don't know why somebody would uh, opt for the for the V8, probably because they just want the best of the best. Yeah, I mean, is, that's
1: generally why that top trim level is there, right? It's for people who are they're just going to spend what they're going to spend.
0: This is um, a 4-liter twin-turbo V8 that also has that mild hybrid system. I believe it's the first time Mercedes has um, imp- implemented the... Their 48 volt mild hybrid system with this twin turbo V8, Um, and I think that's a really important um, engineering feat for them because that twin turbo V8 is probably very closely related to the AMG models that are coming or the AMG engines that come later on. And I can see that the 48 volt system is going to come along a long way. These cars, they both do zero to sixty in under six seconds, despite being massive. Um, the the, the six-cylinder does it in 5.9, and the eight-cylinder does it in 5.2. They're both limited to 130 miles per hour, which is actually kind of low in my opinion. But it's not like we're ever tackling that kind of speed. No, I mean, North and America. you
1: honestly, you shouldn't. If anyone's listening to this and you're like, I'm going to do 140 miles an hour in my GLS, please don't. Please don't do that.
0: <laughs> you're, you're, you're
1: driving a 5,000-pound
0: uh, <laughs> It's just out. not
1: a great – we care about you and we don't want that to happen.
0: <laughs> um, I This also comes with uh, MBUX, which is that um, smart assistant within the cabin, and you can use that to, to – well, I mean, it, there, there was one thing that uh, they told us. They're like, you can, you can make it tell you jokes. So when we asked. Oh, my goodness. We asked it for a M-Bucks joke. M-Bucks jokes. M-Bucks jokes. <laughs> we got we jokes. Said, uh, hey, Mercedes, tell me a joke. And the Mercedes goes, uh, what did Batman tell Robin before getting into the Batmobile? Uh, pass on this punchline. <laughs> he goes, Robin, get in the Batmobile. Are
1: you serious? That was the joke. So the GLS is – Mbox is kind of like your dad. Like yeah, that's the
0: – That's not even a joke.
1: There's nothing the, even like – No, but like it's, it's – see, the AI is so far beyond traditional <laughs> human humor <laughs> now. <laughs> That it's just, it's it's post-punchline, it's post-laughter. It just wants you to know that it knows what a joke is, but it doesn't <laughs> care
0: if you laugh or not. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it is, you're right, it's super modern, that's what it is. Uh, you can do all sorts of neat stuff. You can open and close the windows for some reason using M-Books. Uh, you can uh, 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 turn on or disable the um, massage seats. You can redirect the navigation system. It's a very full-featured system. I absolutely love using it. It has both a touchscreen and a rotary knob to control it, which is, I think, um, an upgrade over the past system, which used um, just the rotary knob. I don't think the touchscreen was as useful in the old command system. And um, what else did I want to add about this? Of course, the GLS comes with a bajillion driver's assistance features. It also comes with all sorts of gimmicky um, just modes and settings. Here's one uh okay, so because of the E active body control, it has what's known as the curve function. So whenever you turn the, the, the wheel to start to set into a, a turn or something, the car will kind of tuck in the inner wheels of the, the, the turn, so it kind of like tilts into the turn. It looks like a motorcycle tackling uh um, I mean,
1: tuck in like it has it adds camber or
0: no, what's it'll it'll, it'll it'll raise it'll lower the suspension. Oh the body okay. the body, yes. Okay. Um, and it makes it, – apparently this helps with um, with car sickness, and I don't believe that. But I, and, I, and you I know can't what else imagine. it helps with?
1: If you own a Mercedes dealership two years from now and you need to do this repairs under warranty, it's going to help. Yeah,
0: you. absolutely. Uh, and there's three levels to this curve. The, the third level adds like a 30-degree um, – like angle to the to this the way the 30 degree tilt and i think that's a bit excessive they even told me that there is really no advantage to using level three over level two and level one so why is it Uh, there it's just to show off to really exaggerate did you use it yeah we used it what was it like it's very you notice it it's very noticeable um and it's kind of like when you go into a corner and you kind of tilt your head into a into it like you really do turn your head a little bit whenever you're, you're like even when you're playing video games. You know, when you play video games, you move your arms and your head. No, I'm perfectly rigid. That's how you. That's win. That's not possible. <laughs> That's how you win. Um, and it's a lot like that. It kind of, uh, it kind of does that turn, that tilt for you, so that you feel a little bit more, I guess, a little bit more normal while driving the car.
1: Hey, going going back to M-Bucks telling jokes. So, do you think there's a way? that they've programmed MBUX to, like, use the massage feature to jab you in the ribs when it says it's punchline to (laughs)
0: get some kind of reaction? That is – that should really be a a new feature of MBUX. It's like – but then, I I mean, where does it stop from there? It'll be like – It doesn't
1: stop. That's – I mean, once you open that Pandora's box, it just doesn't stop.
0: (laughs) And if you don't laugh at the the joke, eventually it gets really self-conscious. It just
1: starts turning up the heat in the vehicle. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Um, I want to talk to you about a feature that has needed to come to cars for a very long time. It's called, now say it with me, car wash mode. Oh, no. You You didn't say it with me. Car wash mode. Car wash mode. Haven't you always needed a car wash mode?
1: I thought I did have that. I thought every car had that from the factory. It's called Windows Up, Ignition Off. That seems to be car wash mode.
0: Nope. This is car wash mode. Um, turns off the automatic windshield wipers, turns off the parking sensors, raises all the windows, turns off the, um, what's it called? Uh, it turns on the air air recirculation and, um, and it folds the mirrors in because that's what you need to wash the side, the outside. Who needs to clear the, clean the mirrors? (laughs) (laughs) So that's what that does. Um. I found that to be a completely interesting I, – I, I often wonder – again, we've always said this, like how do people come up with these ideas? And again, there must have been either a really wealthy customer or somebody in the boardroom who is like – Every time I go in the car wash, the parking sensors go nuts. The windshield wipers go go all over the place. I yeah. lost the windshield wiper. It's exactly the- like that BMW
1: <laughs> retrace its last 76-feet yeah, thing. Exactly. It's exactly the same feature. And
0: you're like, uh-huh. Well, I guess we'll just put this button and make all of that happen together.
1: It reminds me of like, you know, remember Saab had the night panel mode?
0: Exactly, It's yes. like
1: there was some executive of Saab that was like, I hate lights. And then, bam, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, no more lights.
0: We'll call Boom, it night panel. It. Oh, thank God that guy's still giving us money. (laughs) Um, I think that's all I really want to add about this. Uh, I I do think that it is the standard in the class when you compare it to, say, the Cadillac Escalade, the Lincoln Navigator, which is a very good car, the Infiniti QX80 and the BMW X7. The X7 is slightly more um, interesting to drive. But I don't think you buy one of these cars for an interesting driving experience. No, you drive, no. You, get you one buy these
1: cars because you hate driving and you have a big family.
0: It's like Absolutely. And this really does take care of how much you hate driving. So you, you, it, you I mean, say
1: it's better than a Navigator. Okay, I can believe that. But what's the price difference
0: between this and a Navigator? I'd be very I, curious. I don't know. They haven't announced the pricing yet. And I imagine by the time this this podcast is, pub, is published, they'll finally get to that. Well, we can uh, go off
1: what the old um, GLS cost. Okay, and that I'll could probably that. give us a pretty good idea. So I'm looking at the Navigator starts at seventy three thousand, but I mean, if you really, if you want to add features, it get it goes up pretty quickly. Uh, you can top a hundred k with the vehicle, um, and they have their what's it called the Black Edition or the Winter Black Edition or the Blackwood Black Double Black Edition. There's some there's some like really intense version of the car that you would never buy, but it still exists. Uh, so that that's. Um, that's a lot of money to spend on a Lincoln. I'm not saying that the vehicle's not good, but mm-hmm. it's still a lot of money to spend on a Lincoln. So when you're looking at the GLS,
0: the GLS is. Um, is it starts at it's, 70. It's
1: actually a little cheaper.
0: Yes, that's for the 450. And I imagine that the new GLS will actually be a little bit more expensive than the current. The current one, just because of the amount of features they they throw in there, okay. So the Um, and the the better the better motor and all that stuff. So let's say it goes up by say ten percent, seventy-seven thousand. Well,
1: I mean you you could you could also I mean the GLS that's just a starting price, right? Yeah. Just like with the Lincoln. So if you buy the AMG GLS is one hundred twenty six thousand, and the GLS five fifty is ninety five. If you want a ninety five thousand dollar Lincoln Navigator, you can get it. It's the black label. It's ninety six thousand three ninety five. And the one below that is the Reserve, and that's at 85 Now, I'm pretty sure the Reserve will give you absolutely everything you'd want in a luxury SUV. You don't need the black label. Right. So we're looking and at— And I doubt
0: that a GLS 550 will give you everything that you want in a, in a vehicle, right? So like in a... for,
1: would you save the $10,000 and buy the Lincoln instead of the GLS?
0: That's a really tough question. I um, think it is a tough question.
1: Because there's no, there's no brand recognition it, with that Lincoln. You
0: know, that's true, but there's a lot of value when you're buying something like that. I mean, do you buy a luxury car for value? That's no. The real most question. People, most
1: no. people, Secondhand, yes. Brand new, no. Not
0: usually. So then we should be we should be adding far more of a of a of a consideration to the GLS, which is a yeah. special car all the way through. Um, and your friends will be impressed with it no matter what. That's but why you buy a luxury car. I
1: think it's, it's fascinating that we're even having this conversation I agree. because three I agree. years ago the Navigator was a laughingstock.
0: But that's what I think. The the Navigator has truly taken over the the Escalade's position in this segment, which has which has really died out. And I feel really bad for Cadillac because we keep. Crapping on them this way. Wait, but- and, and,
1: you, you know what's cool is um they sell a lot of GLSs as well. Like yeah. around 30,000 a year. Last year was kind of an aberration, only 21,000, yeah. I think because people knew the new one was coming. But um you know if you look at the GLE, which I think is their most popular SUV, that peaked around 54,000 last year they sold 46. That's not a huge gap. That's like no. it's selling they're selling half and it's so much more expensive. So that's really well done on Mercedes' part.
0: I thought maybe the GLC or the GLA would be a little bit more um, popular. The GLC – nope, I'm mistaken. Uh, well, the GLC sold 48000 one year and then that was it. And the GLA – I mean, people, don't everyone – doesn't everyone buy a GLA? Don't you have a GLA? I have two GLAs, but I don't have yeah, them. It's like it, we just collect them.
1: <laughs> I just – you know, I mean, who doesn't? Um, yeah, but the GLA, I mean sh- – That doesn't count. It's not a real – uh, oops. Yeah, it's only it's only 24,000. You know, it's it's
0: wow. Well,
1: Mercedes is not a volume brand, so it it makes sense. So there you go. We've got
0: one of the most important uh, SUVs have been seriously updated here. So Mercedes Um,
1: sells as many versions of its cheapest SUV as it does of its most expensive SUV. Yeah, yeah, that (laughs) That is fascinating.
0: That's insane, actually. Do you think the X7 will reach that kind of volume?
1: Uh, I don't
0: I th- think so. I think the X7 will do volume
1: because I think there's a group of X5 customers who want something more but just haven't been able to get it.
0: And you don't think they've been going to the Mercedes GLS? No, I don't it. think so. I don't maybe maybe hard.
1: some, but uh I don't I don't think so in total.
0: It'll be interesting to see. I really do I, I really again, not impressed with the driving dynamics, but that's okay. It I, I had the same thing, the same thoughts about the GLE. It's a far more comfort-oriented SUV than its rivals. But this thing really does offer um, as much technology and as much features as you can in a in an SUV. Now, if this was truly the S class though of of SUVs, wouldn't it it needs to have like super dark tints? It needs to have like little flags on the corners of the of the car. You I'm know sure what I'm you can about. order
1: that. I'm sure there's like a new there's Uganda like package or something. Flag, that you can, flag like, package, yeah.
0: Well ours would just have our the unnamed automotive podcast logo, podcast logo on it. Right? Yeah, but it
1: would be like uh it would be like infrared, be, so you'd have to be wearing polarized lenses to see it.
0: And we'd be driving it constantly in that recovery mode where it's like bouncing up and down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the funniest thing about it actually is that It's got front thing- and back and side to side, Sammy. That's what I'm it saying. It does. It does actually. And you, you you there's another mode and I have no idea why this function is in this, because they asked I every time we ask them why is this function in it. You can individually raise and lower a wheel as as you desire uh while the car is at a standstill. 100%
1: desire to do that at every stoplight. Can I just like hit a <laughs> button that raises them one after the other so it hovers? Yes. Yes. It hovers. And like a, like a pedestal comes out of the middle and holds me up? No. That's,
0: that's, you're insane. That would be but so But I'm cool. like why does it do this? And they're like uh I don't know. We just we just thought it'd be cool to let people do this. And that's wow. it. Cue lawsuit. <laughs> You want to, but it is interesting. You can raise like the the front corner of the vehicle and, and drive around like that for like two, until you reach like three three miles an hour, and then that's it. <laughs>
1: So you can creep forward like a weirdo with one wheel in the air.
0: <laughs> yes. as somebody in an ML is like, oh, they're like me. They're tilts." You know what's going to happen it. is
1: some guy's going to lie down on the road and be like, yo, bro, get this for Instagram. And, like, they're going <laughs> to drive over it and something terrible is going to happen. You,
0: why do you imagine the worst in that
1: t- If you're scenario? listening to this podcast, do not do what I just suggested you don't do. Please don't. Do what Johnny Don't Do does, basically.
0: <laughs> Johnny. Uh, any question, any more questions about the GLS?
1: No, I think honestly, we've covered a lot of fascinating things about it with these weird features and, um,
0: yeah. Do you think every car should have car wash mode?
1: I think, well, I, like I said earlier, I believe it already does.
0: (laughs) Do you think every car should have, um, what is the name? Recovery mode to get the car out of sand and snow?
1: I well in my world recovery mode is hey buddy get out of the car and help me with this by jumping on the bumper.
0: Okay. You know what's funny? So, so you I'm, always have a buddy in the car with you.
1: Unreal, yeah. I'm, wait, what, you mean you don't? No. I'm afraid to go anywhere alone. Uh. The um.
0: You've been living the buddy system since elementary school.
1: Honestly, it's how it's it's kept me alive this long. Why would I walk away from it? The one of the weirder experiences I had in the last few years with press cars that was frustrating is uh, I don't know anyone who who lives in the north can can relate to what I'm about to say, but sometimes when you get stuck in the snow, and the, you can get to a point where if you're in an automatic car or even a even a car with a clutch, you'll be stuck to the point where one wheel is is moving constantly, the other wheel is not moving because you have an open differential, and you take your foot off the gas and the brake, and it just keeps moving right. Mm-hmm. Um and sometimes in those situations you can open the door of your car get out and push on the door pillar frame and mm-hmm. kind of like rock it out of that situation have you, have you ever done that sammy yeah you, exactly. you know what i'm
0: talking about so not with a press car with my own car though
1: okay of course you would never do anything irresponsible like ghost ride the whip in a press <laughs> car but uh i was trying to do that i got stuck in the alley behind my house maybe like three or four years ago in a i want to say it was a four series coupe okay and I'm like, ah, oh, this sucks. I'm stuck. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll open the door and um, push it forward. If you open the door in a BMW oh, yes. <laughs> while it's moving, it puts it in park immediately. <laughs> I forgot
0: about this. And I was so
1: <laughs> stuck. I could not – if I'd been able to push with it in drive, I would have been able to get out of there. But unfortunately, some safety engineer was like, no, this is – very dangerous. They might be right. I mean, and you as soon as you open the door, bam, it's in park. And I was stuck for a long time until uh, a friendly passers-by came by and helped me dig it out.
0: Uh, I've had to – I totally know that, but only because when we do our video shoots at Auto Guide, sometimes I, like, open the door to get a better look at where the car is placed or something like that while I'm trying to drive it. And yeah. the, the BMWs will not ever let you do – and it's also very abrupt if you're trying to move it. It's super abrupt. It's like, bam, you're like, ah – what That's, happened? You did really something. Well, Sammy, I want to talk about a car that has no safety
1: features like that. Mm. Uh in fact, the, it's uh, it? it's a car where if you open the door while doing a full slide and suck your hands out like a, dr- a Drifto King, it would probably applaud you just before you hit the curb. It's oh. the uh, 2019 Ford Mustang. Um, Ooh, and I know we, we talked. Talk- we really haven't talked about this much. Yeah, we, we 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 didn't just have a really big Mustang episode where we talked about
0: every Mustang. In my phone.
1: But uh, there's there is. I, I managed to drive the one version of the Mustang we didn't talk about. Uh, we talked about the GT 350. We talked so the, you're about-, talking
0: about the the four cylinder, of course.
1: No, no, no. We did talk about that. Remember, we established that I hate it and I think it's a terrible idea. Uh, we we talked about the bullet. We talked about the Performance Pack 2, which you were driving. But I have the Performance Pack 1. Ah, um, the
0: old PP1. The yeah. old PP1.
1: And I had the PP1 in an orange color. I think it's called Orange Crazy Metallic Starburst Sun Nova, something like that. Um, <laughs> and uh, so such a great name. I'm, I'm not going to go too deep on this car because we have talked Mustang. But there were a couple of things that I noticed about it that I just kind of wanted to, to talk about. It had been maybe a year or two since I'd driven... Uh, a GT. Uh, my dad's got a few of them, but they're older generation cars, so uh, it's interesting to compare them. But mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the so the PP one, it's the way I look at it is we talked about how the PP is uh, PP two. I can't I'm gonna say I can't keep saying that. Performance Pack two is uh, a car that is aimed for people who want to go to the track and they're okay with getting banged around in the process because it's got the Magna ride with the tough mm-hmm. tougher tuning. It's got those big tires that you found a hassle to turn. Um,
0: and not only not only just a hassle to turn, but like living on it with a daily with a day to day, the car wants to follow along the 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 road so so eagerly, and you're fighting the car almost all the time.
1: Yeah. So the performance pack one, it doesn't really go that far. It's got you get same the, the same 19 inch wheels, but it's uh, they're staggered tires that are smaller, and okay. you can get the Magna ride as an option if you want, but you don't have to get it. And uh it's it it gets a, a more a more focused suspension tune than the GT, but not nearly as far as the Performance Pack 2. So it's kinda like the, the what I felt about the car, and, and my car also had a few interesting options like the active exhaust, which I think is outstanding. Um
0: Good or bad, because I always had mine in the quiet mode and you said I was stupid. I had mine in race mode the entire time. <laughs> I actually I so love, here's <laughs> I love I'm in the complete opposite <laughs>
1: In fact, you can set up your own driver profile for the yeah. car, which What's it actually. called My Mode. You, yeah, My Mode. So here's a but funny you story. You can't
0: name it your name, which is a problem. It's just My Mode, not well, Sammy my My or mode ben. Was,
1: was normal suspension tune, mm-hmm. normal everything, race exhaust. <laughs> so, mine with
0: quiet mode, quiet exhaust, uh, sport steering, normal suspension um and and normal uh, stability and traction control. F-
1: my funny story about my mode is I uh, I'm in the car the day I pick it up or the, the morning after I picked it up and I I message Sammy and I'm like, hey, I can't figure out how to <laughs> how to access that quiet mode you were talking about, and I can't figure out how to change because like in in most Ford products you can change the colors inside the car and they were like a hideous turquoise like the lights. So I yeah. wanted to change it, but normally you do that through the infotainment screen, and Sammy's like, no, there's a button on the, on the steering wheel with a Mustang on it. You didn't see that? And like, yeah, it's like right there, and I didn't see it. And then Sammy's like, it's like I'm explaining how to program a VCR to my grandparents.
0: <laughs> no, it was more like a router, but yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, no, actually, you also asked me about the rev matching. Yes, because the rev the matching was is.
1: on. Because I didn't know it was on, and I kept rev matching myself because I'm badass like that. And it was like this double rev match. Yeah, and it kept catching.
0: screaming in race mode.
1: <laughs> double rev match. It's basically like there's a brick on the accelerator at all times. <laughs> and when I'm at the light, I just put it in neutral. It's like.
0: <laughs> okay, but you know what? Uh, I thought about that question that you gave me. How do I do all of this? they really have inundated Mustang drivers with a lot of technology uh and specifically the steering wheel is loaded with all kinds of tell me that's not uh, a bit much right like there's so many buttons on the steering wheel yeah it was it was a bit much i mean it overloaded me
1: and i'm only semi professional at this so imagine if you're if you're just an amateur uh and you're trying to deal with all these buttons and you don't have you can't just phone a friend like sammy and have him explain the world to you like it's it's challenging um, but it, the car really struck me as a cruising car, like a grand touring car. It feels big and heavy. Uh, it's got a lot of power. It's, it's really quick. It's not particularly lithe. Uh, it's not the kind of car I think that would feel nimble on a racetrack, but with the rubber that's on it, uh, it doesn't have the cup tires like your performance pack did. It has a, uh, another set of Michelins. They're still very good. I think they're PS4s, right? Yeah. But, uh. It's Which kind of great. like... Oh, no. Yeah. They're, not, they're PS4s. They're not the Cup 2s. Yeah, they're not Cup 2s. Okay. Well, what I what I felt about the car was, this is the vehicle for if you want to win uh, drag races at the stoplight, if you want to go to the drag strip and have fun in drag mode, and maybe you're on a back road and some guy in an M3 is ahead of you and you want to hang on his bumper for a while, that's probably the Performance Pack 1. If, you, if you're if you the kind of person who's just going to be driving the car on and off a trailer at the, dra- at the road course and you're not too concerned about how it feels driving to work in the morning? I think that's kind of the performance pack too. I think that's, you're
0: wrong. I think the Shelby is far more the No, no, that, the Shelby
1: that. the Shelby is too, but the Shelby's a hell of a lot more expensive.
0: Yeah. Like twenty grand more. That's expensive. way too much distinction in a Oh, I mean I know that I love that. There, there's so many there's a Mustang for like literally any ass. Do you like put milk before you put your cereal in a bowl? Well, now you can get this Mustang. That's like, a really weird thing to say. Uh I want <laughs> to they have that much distinction for people. Yeah, right? well it's the Porsche nine eleven of the Ford world. It's if there's that
1: many different we're gonna get a four-door sedan. As soon. We've talked about this in the
0: past. Well, I mean the the F one fifty is more like that. You can pick every version of that truck. Yeah, every truck, every truck,
1: every truck truck is like that yes. but uh except the, the the nissan frontier but um <laughs> the uh ridge line i do want to kind of maybe walk back what i said about price because if you add features you can put the performance pack one past fifty thousand dollars and then you're within 2 or 3 grand of a base Shelby GT350. And Chad was talking about this on the podcast the last time about how he felt that if you're going to be driving the car, you want to have the the luxury stuff that comes in a well-equipped performance pack car because you can get the really nice gauge cluster that he likes and I also like it. You can get uh, better seats like my I had the leather Recaros that he was talking about and yeah, it was a little frustrating that they were manually adjustable. Um, if I'm spending a lot of money, I, I kind of want to have power seats, but they were an option. You don't have to have those. So it's, it's, you know, it's the Goldilocks and the three bears of Mustangs. It's like so many different flavors of porridge now and you get to decide.
0: Yeah. There's like 20 bears and yeah. what, there isn't a Goldilocks. I don't know if there is a Goldilocks the more I think about it. Was so, it perfect? Like, that's the real question. Was it like the best choice for you?
1: No, it's not perfect. I mean, the best choice for me isn't a Mustang. So it's like, <laughs> if I was going to buy one of these, so I have a maybe an unusual point of view, but if I was going to buy one of these cars, it would most likely be the Challenger Scat Pack, because I like the styling, I like how comfortable it is and practical it is, and I don't ever plan on taking a car like this to the racetrack because they're too heavy anyway, so why not just go all out and buy mm-hmm. the heaviest one I can <laughs> and just have fun and, and enjoy myself and cruise around? I... I I wanna qualify that by saying I think the Camaro SS one L E is the single best value for racetrack performance you can currently buy mm-hmm. um for I guess it's under fifty thousand dollars. It's but the inc-
0: single worst looking vehicle you can buy. Yes. I will <laughs> the looks I would not own it because of that. But if, if you would you imagine looking at that thing in your parking spot and being like yeah, that's my car. <laughs> but
1: but <laughs> if like, you look at like value wise, it's an incredible car. And you know, you go one step up, and then you have the the Corvette um, Z51 or Grand or um, what's the the? Oh, can I think of it? Gran Turismo. And it's not Gran Turismo. What, what's the name of the 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 Corvette that I can't think of right now? Grand Sport. Grand Sport, which is again maybe the best value for a track car under 100k. So you have GM is just killing it with like incredible cars on the track. Like I, I drove the the one LE back to back with an M4 and on a racetrack and it blew it away, dynamically, power wise. Yeah, it is crazy and it's half the price. So, and I'm not even talking about the ZL1 one LE. This is just the SS. So that's an incredible car. But you know, my personal choice for what I want that car to do, I'm gonna go with the Challenger. And for me, the Mustang just doesn't doesn't compute. Like it doesn't fit into either of those slots for me. It's kind of a good middle alternative. And like the GT is a cool car and I like it, but I don't want to own it. I I like the GT350 a lot, but um, if we're staying out of like the world of Hellcats and ZL1s, then then my money's on the scat pack.
0: So Ben, I wanted to talk to you really quickly about um, your experience with Mustangs, because as you mentioned, you're, you're, you have some Mustangs in your family. You've had some Mustangs in your family. Your father has had some GTs in the past. Now he had a... Fox body in the past, and now he has the first retro styled Mustang. Um, is there any? Do you see any lineage? Um, and and of course, I know that your you, these are like track oriented vehicles, right? Yeah, that you've, that were, that you've yeah, you that's ex- exclusively
1: with. what they're for. Although he does have an SN uh, a, a, a two thousand five convertible as well. I forgot an the S one S one ninety seven.
0: He has a convertible as well. Is that yeah. a GT? Yes. Very cool. Um, so these are track-oriented vehicles. Do you see any um, any of the modifications that were made for the car to, to perform on the track in those past generations feeling like this from the factory um, version of the Mustang? I, I'm trying to make – I'm trying to I, – I don't think I'm, I'm getting my question out right, but hopefully you can read my mind. Um, there's no real comparison
1: between the cars. The new Mustang is a lot heavier and it feels a lot more luxurious and comfortable than any Mustang to have come before it. There's just no question. It's, it's a very, very different vehicle.
0: Okay. And so that's really, that's a tough question for me. to. I mean, I was trying to think about, you know, the seats in this thing. If you have the Recaros or not. Um, if you've got the, the that, does it sound like a race car? Like, for example, the PP2. You actually have experience knowing what a racing Mustang sounds like. Right.
1: I mean, it's, that's all just a function of muffler. So it's whatever you put on the car is going to determine how loud it is. And the, the older, I mean, my father's cars are 4.6 and 5.0 cars from the past. So they're very different engines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they all have their own unique kind of sound characteristics. Uh, I think that the current car sounds amazing, especially in race mode. I don't know why anyone would ever put it in quiet mode. But uh, it's, <laughs> it's as an all-around car, it's far superior to anything to have ever come before it. I mean, my, my father's Fox body is a lot of fun on a racetrack because it's very light. And mm-hmm. it's small, so you can do a lot of things with it that you wouldn't necessarily think you could do with a live axle car. And the S197 car is also my, my father's is, is essentially stock, um, but you can it, it's it's very quick, like a well driven stock S197 can hang with a Boxster or an M3, uh, an older generation M3. It's it's not super heavy. I think it's around thirty three hundred pounds, and you have three hundred horsepower. And you know, if you drive it well and drive it carefully and have good tires on it, then you're going to have a good time. But the, the current car is just leagues ahead in terms of capability.
0: I mean, it would absolutely blow it away. Unbelievable. Okay, that's really impressive. Um, I think that's all we've got this week for for the podcast. What are so- you? What do up have next week?
1: Ne- next week, uh, I'm going to talk about the Volkswagen Golf GTI or the GTI Rabbit because the one I'm driving has a rabbit sticker on the back, and I'm a little confused by that.
0: It's not a. It, that's interesting. It's a, <laughs> did somebody just stick it on their back? I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I was gr- G- uh, a Golf fan, but uh, yeah, we'll like find rabbits out.
1: everywhere. We're going to go deep into the rabbit world, rabbit Ooh. hole.
0: Uh, next week, I'm driving the Mercedes E-Class and the Audi A6. Going to oh. be doing a comparison with executive sedans. Who would That's have guessed fast. I would be in the in the driver's seat of another Mercedes? Not me. I know
1: it's it's almost like uh, like the you woke up one day and decided that it was going to be the unnamed Mercedes podcast UMP, and you forgot to tell me. Well, I think
0: I realized that I have a very limited uh, experience with with the Mercedes products as well as uh, at Auto Guide, so we had to cover our bases and get on these on these vehicles. And we also were we're very happy to have an A6 on the. On the website as well, because it's great to have these two cars that are really competitive and really special uh, and somewhat affordable too compared to one another, and I've
1: got a I've got an A seven coming later in this summer, so it'll be interesting to to talk about that vehicle. Um, the uh, if you want to cover your bases with the unnamed automotive podcast and kind of catch up on past episodes, you can do that by going to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. Everything is there. You click on stuff. You click on buttons, which Sammy's explained a few times in the podcast what buttons <laughs> do, and you can load us into your favorite podcatcher, or you can just go to a podcast service that you use or a music service like Apple Play Music or sorry, Apple Play Music Apple Music uh, Google Play. Um, Spotify, Catch, Castbox—we are everywhere. We are ubiquitous, and we would love to have you listening to us on a regular basis.
0: We would also really love to hear from you guys. So, if you—I mean, one—you can give us some feedback in a very uh, public manner by uh, by issuing a rating on one of those podcasting services or past podcast clients. Um, we read those, and we laugh heartily when you call us such uh, creative names. Uh, we also uh, have a contact form on our website that's unnamed automotive podcast.com where you can, you can fill that out. You can send an email to us. It, it goes right into one of our inboxes, and we love to read it. We read it, it helps us go to sleep and have sweet dreams afterwards. Additionally, you can send an email to us, uh, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. He will answer all of your emails, um, assuming they're uh, coherent in it some way or another. Or you can uh, reach out to us on social media. I'm on Twitter, which is always a fun place to be. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Um, And you can find Ben on Instagram. He's at Hunting Benjamin. I think that's all of our post-show shenanigans, Ben. What do you think? Have I missed anything? The banter
1: is done. Thank you for listening, everybody. And we hope to have you back next week.
0: Can't wait. Bye.